Well, good morning. Once again, welcome to Calvary Church. We're so glad that you're here. Let me especially add my word of welcome. If you're a visitor, first-time visitor, we're especially honored to have you, regular attenders, members. We're just glad that you have joined us this morning to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Dustin, for leading us in worship and to the worship team for just allowing your gifts to be um, on display for the glory of Christ. We appreciate that. Um, Before we get into our text this morning, I just want to remind everybody, hopefully you've been able to pick up a bulletin, and on the bulletin are the sermon, sort of the sermon outline, and also at the bottom are some upcoming events. This is a an exciting week here at Calvary. We got the trunk retreat Wednesday night. We've got the family day next Sunday. We've got a men's prayer breakfast coming up. So um, I just encourage you to um, take those events, put them on your calendar, join us. And um, as we just sang, we're, we're pursuing Christ. We're in the process of sanctification. And so these are events that I, I think will help you to pursue Christ in community with us. Well, as the, as, the, as the bulletin says, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1 today, so I'd invite you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1 or open your phone or whatever you're using to access God's Word. Next Sunday, we're going to have a family day, and as part of our family worship day, we're going to have some baptisms, and baptism is a public declaration that someone has decided to follow Jesus. What is that called? Discipleship. As you leave today on the wall, it says, go therefore into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're about, making disciples, being disciples. And so as you read through the book of 2 Timothy, understand that this book is aimed at making us disciples, growing us as disciples, being a disciple. Well, one of the things that all true disciples in Jesus possess is sincere faith. You can't be a disciple without sincere faith. Paul says, look at verse 5. Look in verse 5. Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Paul says, you've got it. You're not just playing games. You, this isn't phony. This, you know, we're coming up on Halloween where you pretend, you dress up, you make believe. Paul says you're not pretending to be a Christian. You really are. You have sincere faith. You've been born again. But Timothy's not the first believer in his family through, even though the church is in its infancy, Infancy, notice that Paul says in verse 5, you have sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your, and your mother Eunice. Paul names Timothy's mom Eunice and his grandmother Lois. He names them because he must have known them. And he wanted to remind Timothy that behind his faith is somebody else who had influenced him with their faith. Paul doesn't want this young leader in the church to forget that behind him are other people that have influenced his life for Jesus. Now think about that for a moment. You might have never heard the name Eunice or the name Lois, but you've probably heard the name Timothy. But Timothy wouldn't have been Timothy without a believing mom and a believing grandmother. Now, this is God's plan of of how the gospel goes forth in the normal course of discipleship. No one will influence you more than the Christians 
in your own household. God's design for the spread of the kingdom of Jesus is not just the local church, it is the home. And so grandmas and grandpas, dads and moms, married or single, you have a responsibility to teach your children the gospel and to live it out so that it will be true of us that our children have sincere faith, but that that faith first lived in our lives. You can't believe for your children. You can't believe for your grandchildren, but you can do practical things to pass along the gospel to them. You can read scripture as a family. You can pray together as a family. You can sing together as a family. What we do on Sunday morning, you can do in your own home. And if you do that, then against the backdrop of all the chaos and filth and confusion in the world, your children will understand the unchanging, eternal truth of the gospel. Paul says, Timothy, it's so good to see your faith but your grandma and your mom had it first. So grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, we have an immense responsibility to teach and live out sincere faith so that we would be disciples of Jesus. By the way, let me just say that this is success, mom and dads. This is success. Remember we saw this in Third and Second John Our children walking in the truth, that is success. It's better than our kids getting into the best college. It's better than the best toys. It's better than first place trophies. A home where there is discipleship is the true mark of success in the home. Now what that produces in our lives is bold faith. Sincere faith leads to bold faith. Notice what Paul says in verse 8, look at verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed. Look down in verse 12, this is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. Look down in verse 16, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed. So Paul says that sincere faith is bold faith. And bold faith means that you are not ashamed to call Jesus your Lord and Savior and to follow him with your life. Sincere faith is bold faith. Paul talks about his chains in verse 16. And if you look at chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul says that his chains are for the gospel. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed to preach Christ even if it puts me in chains. And he says, Timothy, don't you be ashamed of my chains. Don't you be ashamed of the gospel. If others persecute you, don't be ashamed. If others mock you, don't be ashamed. Never be ashamed to call Jesus your Lord and to follow him with your life. Paul says, sincere faith leads to bold faith. Well, in chapter 2, he returns to this theme. If you look at chapter 2, verse 15, just should be on the next page. Paul says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. 
Now, Timothy is a leader in the church. He's a pastor, we would say, in the church, an elder in the church. And Paul says, Timothy, live your life in such a way that you have no need to be ashamed. But that's also applied to us. Our job as sincere disciples of Jesus is to live without shame. That's the big idea. Don't be ashamed. Now, when Paul says, do not be ashamed, there are two words in the Greek that you can use for not and the negative participle. And Paul is using the strongest word. In other words, he's saying, don't be ashamed. And he's underlining it and boldening it. And you can imagine in your Bible, exclamation marks, do not be ashamed. That's the idea. To be ashamed can mean one of two things. It can can mean either that you live your life privately but not publicly for Jesus because you're afraid of what others will think about you or do to you or say about you, but it can also mean that you live your life in private in a way that makes you ashamed so that when you're in public, you're not bold because your life in private is leading you to be ashamed. And I don't know which of those two things you struggle with. Maybe you struggle with what people think about you when you, when you live your life in a holy way. Do they make fun of you? Do they mock you? Don't be ashamed. Or maybe you struggle with living your life in private in a way that you know goes against God's word. So when you're in public, you're not bold in your faith because you know what's going on in public and you're ashamed. Paul says, God doesn't want you to be ashamed. God wants you to be bold. God wants you to be courageous. God wants you to live your life in a way that it's bright like a light and salty in a world that rejects Christ. What does Jesus say? We are a city on a hill. We're not, remember the old song, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm gonna let it shine. That's right. Paul says elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. So in the news these days, there's a lot about embassies And in an embassy is somebody who's selected to serve as an ambassador. They speak and represent and act on behalf of a nation. Paul says, you as a Christian are an ambassador for Christ. And this means that you are to speak and act and represent the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. Maybe you came in here thinking, I'm a nobody. There are no nobodies in the kingdom. You are an ambassador for Christ, called to have sincere faith that results in bold faith. Paul says, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Well, Jesus speaks about this in Luke chapter 9. Jesus talks about the day of judgment, Luke 9, 26. You can write that down. Jesus says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. So costing, so following Jesus will cost you something in this life But not following Jesus will cost you something much more in the life to come. 
And so Jesus says, you have a choice. Either you follow me in this life and you experience temporary shame, or you follow me, or you don't follow me in this life and experience eternal shame. I think I'm going to switch mics here. Can I use this? Can you guys, is this on? The red one's on. Can you hear that okay? I apologize. I'm having technical problems here. This is not staying on my ear. I apologize. We'll try that. We'll see if it stays on a little better. Okay, so Jesus says, don't be ashamed of me or I will be ashamed of you. And the opposite of shame is courage. It's bold faith. It's public faith. And let me just say that the greatest enemy to your living boldly it's not your neighbor who's making fun of you. It's not your coworker. The greatest enemy to you living boldly for Jesus is sin. Sin will make you a coward. Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous are as bold as lions, but the wicked flee when no one pursues. You see, if in private you are giving yourself over to private sins, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, then when you're in public, you're going to be a cowardly Christian. But if you are living a holy life in private, when you go into public, you're going to be a bold Christian. Why do I say that? Because Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are as bold as lions. You want to be bold? Well, then live a holy life. Let me just challenge you, if you turn away from sin, if you turn away from your temptations and follow Jesus, do it for a week and tell me you're not more bold in your faith. Nothing will steal your courage like sin, and nothing will encourage you and give you boldness like holiness. The righteous are as bold as lions. Boldness is not about your personal disposition. Notice it says in verse 7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This isn't about your personality type. This isn't about strength finder. This isn't about, you might have taken a test at some point and they said, well, you're just not the outgoing type person. This is not about you and your personality and your power. This is about the power of God at work in you when you are determined to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, he's going to give you courage. He's going to turn you into a bold Christian. The righteous are as bold as lions. And the beautiful thing about this is that following Jesus starts with what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the beautiful thing about the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord displaces other fears. So maybe you're here this morning and you have a lot of fears. You're somebody that just has sort of a lot of fears in life. If you fear the Lord, those other fears will diminish but if you don't fear the Lord, then your life will be ruled by other fears. Remember, Jesus says, don't fear those who can kill the body. He says, fear the Lord 
who can destroy both your body and your soul. And so as Christians with sincere faith, we have boldness because we fear the almighty God of the universe and not men and not the opinions of men and not the trends and not the fads and not conforming to the ways of the world. We live for Jesus with sincere faith and the result is a boldness you never thought you could have in ways you never could have imagined that go against everything you've ever thought about yourself because it's not your power. It's the power of God through his Holy Spirit. Well, we see sincere faith. We see bold faith. And then in the text, there are two reasons that Paul gives for bold faith. Two reasons for bold faith. Paul is not just saying, hey, be bold, because that sounds good. He's saying there are reasons why we should be bold. Look at, verse, look at verses 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, be bold for Jesus because Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is reigning. Jesus is building his church. Jesus has orchestrated the events of your life to cultivate in you discipleship and sincere faith so that you would be bold. We sang a song earlier about how God, how God uses even the bad things in our life for good. And that song comes directly from Genesis 50 where Joseph, who's been wronged by people, says to the people that wronged him, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Did you know that Jesus has been sovereignly orchestrating the events of your life to bring you to a point of salvation and to cultivate a greater trust in him, a greater faith in him, and a greater reliance on him. God will not waste any of the events of your life. He is using those things to cultivate sincere faith, bold faith. Jesus is sovereign. Why should you be bold for Jesus? Because he's reigning over all the universe even right now. There is no reason to be ashamed of Jesus. There is every reason to be bold for Jesus. Look at verse 12. Paul says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed in and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So Jesus didn't just save you. Jesus is guarding you. Jesus is protecting you. Jesus is providing for you. When you sin, Jesus forgives you. When you run to Jesus, he receives you. When you cry out to Jesus, he aids you. Everything you have, you've received from Jesus. Jesus never sleeps. He's always reigning, always sovereign, always standing, always interceding for you. Paul says, Jesus has done it all. He called you. He saved you. He protects you. He will make sure that you make it into eternity and into heaven. He will not lose not one person who has trusted in him. 
So Paul says, he has given you every reason to be bold and sincere in your faith. Number two, says that the, our faith is reasonable. It is sound. Paul says that our faith is sound. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Look, this is important that you understand this. The words of Scripture, they are not fantasy. They are not fiction. They are true. They are historical. They are accurate. They are reasonable. You can build your life on the Word of God. Paul says the Scriptures provide for you a pattern of sound words. So you can be bold for Jesus because the faith is reasonable. The Christian faith is supported by the evidence. The Word of God is able to support your life and your hopes. It is a rock upon which we can build our lives and not be shaken. Paul says, be bold for Jesus because he is sovereign and because the gospel is reasonable. It is sound. How unreasonable to turn away from God's word and follow the whims and desires of your heart. How unreasonable. How unwise to turn away from scripture and follow the trends of the world. How foolish to turn away from Scripture and follow your own sinful desires or the, or the popular crowd or the popular opinion. How foolish would it be for you to close your Bible and not listen to what God has to say about your life? Paul says, Timothy, I love you. I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. You need to follow. You need to pattern your life after the truth of God's word. Well, since Jesus is sovereign and since the faith is sound, there are two practical things that Paul has to say about our lives. First, look at verse 13 and verse 14. <clears throat> Paul says, follow the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Follow. That word means to guard or to observe. And later on, Paul says that we are to guard that which has been entrusted to us. Guard, verse 14, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Both those things mean the same thing. Follow and guard. It means align your life with the pattern of Scripture, scripture and don't follow your own path. Don't divert from the Scriptures. Don't follow the path of the word. Stay on the straight and narrow. Jesus says there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. And everybody around you is following the broad road, but it leads to destruction. But Jesus says there's a narrow road and that road leads to life. And that road is illuminated by the word. So follow the word. Don't stray. Even when your friends are saying, check this out. Even when the world is saying, that's lame. Paul says, don't be ashamed. Don't you be ashamed of Jesus. Stay on the path of the word of God. Follow the faith. Guard the faith. Don't stray. Number two, look at verse six. Fan into flame. For this reason, I remind you, Paul says in verse six, to fan into flame the gift of God. Now Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's talking about Timothy's gift, his anointing as a preacher, but this applies to all of us in just regards to our own faith, 
our own walk with Jesus. At some point in your life, if you're a Christian, God, God got the gospel to you and then God gave you the faith to believe and you turn from sin to follow Jesus. That was the moment of your salvation. And you received on that day the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, the moment they believe, receives the gift of the Holy Spirit as a deposit, Paul says, guaranteeing our inheritance. So on that day, you became a child of God, just like Timothy. And Paul says, Timothy, don't let that fire die out. Fan it into flame. Now, I don't know how many campers I have in this audience. I don't know how many of you enjoy a good camp out. But you know, one of the classic things you do when you go camping is you get a fire going. And you get the fire going, and maybe you're good at it, and it takes a couple minutes. Maybe you're not good at it, and it takes a long time and a lot of woe and a lot of chemically altered things that you buy at the store to get the thing going. But you get it going. But then you wake up the next morning, and it's gone. It looks gone. Because if you scrape away the top layer of ash, there are usually embers that are still lit. And if you get down next to the fire and blow on the fire or fan the flyer, you can completely get a fire going in just a moment if you fan the ember into flame. And Paul says, listen, you might have grown cold in your faith. You might have wandered from the Lord, but you can fan into flame the faith that God has given you. Well, how do you do that? Turn away from your sin. Whatever sin you've been flirting with and dabbling in and being tempted by, Paul says, turn away from that and follow the sound pattern of Scripture. And if you do that, and if you fill your life with the Word of God, the faith of Lois, the faith of Eunice, the faith of Timothy, if you pursue that faith, that ember will ignite into a fire. And in a short amount of time, you can grow from being a cold, sort of lifeless, sort of seemingly dead Christian to being someone who is on fire for Christ, who is burning brightly for Christ. Jesus says, don't hide your light. We want to shine for Christ. So Paul says, follow the words of Scripture and fan into flame. So let me ask you this question. Are you fanning into flame your faith? Are you cultivating your faith? Are you putting time into your relationship with Jesus? Are you setting goals? I want to read. I want to pray. I want to fellowship. I want to grow. I want to share. I want to live my life boldly for Christ. Are you fanning into flame the faith which God has given you? Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident or apart from intentional effort. You would never sit by a fire that seemed to have died out and just go, man, I really wish this fire would just spontaneously combust and just get hot and provide warmth for me. That won't happen. Are you doing that as a Christian? Are you just sitting passively thinking, oh, I wish I was on fire for Christ. I wish I burned brightly for Christ. I wish I enjoyed the fellowship of Christ. I wish I was bold for Jesus. I wish I was following the patterns of sound scripture. Are you just sitting there when God is saying, there's something you can do by the power of God. You can commit yourself to the word of God, reading it daily, memorizing scripture, getting into a small group here at church, 
praying and fasting over your struggles, over your temptations, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying discipleship, Christianity is a gift, but discipleship takes effort. Discipleship takes intentional effort to following Jesus. Well, this week I had the privilege of seeing something I'd never seen before. It's called the Freedom Trail in Boston. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's a trail that leads through all the major sites of the Revolutionary War. I was in Boston for work. I had an opportunity to see the Freedom Trail. And the cool thing about the Freedom Trail, the Freedom Trail is designed for someone like me who is almost constantly getting lost. Because the Freedom Trail is literally a brick It's a brick stripe that leads through the city and you just follow the bricks, follow the yellow brick road all the way through the city. And and there were several times when my daughter who was with me would go, Dad, look, we're off the trail. And we'd look around and go, oh, it's over there. We'd get back on the trail. And we'd follow the trail and we'd get distracted. She'd say, look, we're lost. Yep, it's over there. Listen, maybe this morning you know you're lost. Maybe you know either that you have never put your faith in Jesus. You've never been born again. You've never experienced freedom from the slavery of sin. You've never committed your life to following Jesus. And that's the first step. The first step would be putting your faith in Jesus. But maybe you have followed Jesus, but the fire has died out. And you've wandered off the path. And you have wandered and you know you've wandered. And Jesus is beckoning you this morning back to the path, off the broad path, back onto the narrow path, back to obedience, back to sincere faith, back to bold living, away from the the shame of sin and into an unashamed life of holiness, away from the fear of man and back into the holy and righteous fear of the Lord. And so my prayer this morning is that Christ would fan into flame our faith and our fellowship so that we would shine brightly and unashamed for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit our hearts to you. Ultimately, God, we don't even know what we need, but you do. You know, Lord, if we're hiding. You know, God, if we're wandering. Heavenly Father, you know if, if we have a sin that is that has enslaved us or ensnared us. And God, everything we need in this moment is from you. We need the faith to believe, either for the first time or yet again. We need the faith to call our sin, sin, and turn away from it and run after Jesus. God, we need the grace to confess before you right now our sin, not hide it, but to confess it. Lord, I pray that right now, if there's anyone here that has never trusted in Jesus, I pray that you would do that work in them, Heavenly Father. If there's anyone here that is ensnared by sin, God, I pray that you'd set them free. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would beckon us back to obedience. Not, God, because, not because we fear your judgment, but because as a loving Father, we want to live in a way that honors you. So God, would you work on our hearts to produce discipleship, sincere faith, boldness for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.